I am drinking coffee and I am very excited because it's getting light out. Optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I answer your personal question? Now it is seen in a perfect time. What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably Athletic Greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the 4-Hour Body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com slash TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com slash TFS. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever this finds you on the globe. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. This is an in-between-isode, and that means that it is a shorter format. It is composed of your questions, which you've submitted and then voted up or down. Thousands of you have done this. So I'm going to answer between 10 and 20 questions. If you're looking for the normal, longer format interviews where I dissect excellence and try to extract the tools and tips and so on that you can use from world-class performers, whether they be billionaire investors like Peter Thiel or chess prodigies or philosophers or professional athletes, then I suggest you go to iTunes or your podcast player of choice and check out all the other episodes. And you can go to also fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast to find all the episodes all spelled out fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. 
And I am in Iceland at the moment. I'm so thrilled. It is about 10 in the morning. It is just getting light outside. So I feel like I've been very diligent in getting up at 5 a.m. because the sun is rising as I speak. And I'm here with family for the holidays. And we've been very lucky to see the northern lights for two out of three nights now. And it's just brilliant. I find this country fascinating. 300,000 or so people in the entire country and a very difficult language, but I'm staying at a hotel where they have a very itinerant rotating staff of international folks from Malta or Poland or other places. So I'm having a, I'm like a kid in a candy store with the language learning, but, uh, let me first mention before we get to the questions, sponsors very briefly, this episode is brought to you by Onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com forward slash Tim. I've used their gear for many, many years, whether it be their battle robes, their kettlebells, their maces, clubs. I know it sounds like a torture chamber, but it's uh, really the vast majority of my gear that I have in my gym, as well as supplements like chewable melatonin, which I've used on this trip to immediately get lockstep with the circadian rhythm necessary uh, for the few hours of daylight that we have here. And check them out, onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash Tim. You can see all sorts of stuff that I use. The second sponsor is 99designs, 99designs.com forward slash Tim. You can see some of the contests that I've run, including for the four-hour body cover, which went on to become number one New York Times bestseller and is still selling like crazy, which is hard to believe sometimes. It is the one-stop shop for all of your graphic design needs. If you want to have an original design in a week or less, your money back, check it out. 99designs.com forward slash Tim. Now, moving on to the questions. The first question is from Scott in Australia. Can you please spec out the first hour of your day as you asked of Tony Robbins? So my Tony Robbins episode is a two-parter, and uh, you can certainly check that out if you like. It is uh, one of the more recent episodes, 37 and 38. So we talked about morning routines and everything else and how important that is. It's for me, typically, I go to bed very, very late. I do my best synthesis, my best... Uh, really composition if I'm on a book deadline very late at night. I've tried to fix this without much success. So I typically do my best writing very late at night between, uh, and I'm going to get to the morning, but this impacts it, between 11 p.m. and about 3 or 4 a.m. And I'll have one glass of Malbec, ideally, with Yerba Mate, throw a movie on loop. And that's uh, historically has been anything from Casino Royale to uh, The Born Identity. You see the theme there. But then there's stuff like Babe, oddly enough. And I'll put it on mute and just loop those movies over and over again so that I don't feel as lonely as I would sitting in my house in the dark writing. And then I'll play music, typically Pandora, in headphones. So that leads to waking up on the later side. Typically, I'll wake up around, uh, let's say, 10 a.m. And uh, as soon as I wake up, I will brush my teeth and then consume uh, supplements or any type of medicine that is best absorbed without food or on an empty stomach or with low insulin levels. And that could range from, say, pre or probiotics. So probiotics, the usual type of lactobacillus stuff, prebiotics like Inner Eco, uh, which you can check out, or Beet Kvass. Uh, and I'll oftentimes put just a dollop, or I should say a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in there as well, uh, which I find really helps immune function. I'll consume that. It could be something, say, if I'm being supervised by doctors post-surgery, it could be an injection of uh, human growth hormone, for instance, nortotropin pen or something like that. Never use that without 
doctor supervision, of course, but there, there are certain things that are just really best done with low insulin and glucose levels. Then I will meditate. I'll do that on an empty stomach, typically, more or less. And that's uh, ideally 20 minutes of transcendental meditation. There are many different types of meditation. For me, that is what has stuck. Then I will get up, turn on Pandora, onto classical music, typically Mozart, and I will start boiling water. And as the water is boiling, I think I'm using these days a, a metal Cuisinart uh, electric kettle that can be set to specific temperature, whether it be for black tea, green tea, or anything else. And so you can set the temperature. I usually set it to 185 degrees and then I'll make my tea as this is boiling. And my tea almost always without fail in the morning is composed of, I think it's reshi, uh, ginger and turmeric tea combined with some poo air tea combined with a very small amount of green tea, basically a three finger pinch for those people who've read the four hour chef. And then I'll make my tea. I'll get a cold glass of water and I sit down and I will write or work on the podcast or a blog post. This is a, a creative writing session and that will very oftentimes take me to lunch. And that's when I'll have uh, in this particular instance, when I'm optimizing for writing, I will have my first meal around lunch, first real meal. Uh, if I'm in sports training, that changes completely. But for right now, that is the first one to two hours of my day. All right. Long answer, but there you have it. Uh, next, we have a related question. This is from, uh, uh, looks like cinema, <laughs> oddly enough. Uh, how do you limit or moderate your media consumption, TV, radio, Twitter, internet, etc. Well, I would say like a lot of the world increasingly poorly would be the short answer, but there are a few things that I found very helpful. Number one is screen free Saturdays. I try to go Saturdays without iPhones, laptops, any type of screen. And if I'm with someone else, I try to do the same if possible. For instance, a girlfriend, uh, no screens in the bed or bedroom. I think the bed is for sleeping or fucking, and that is it. Shouldn't be for checking your email. So no screens in the bed or bedroom. I don't want that, the sanctity of that environment to be associated with work because that will produce insomnia, especially if you're prone to insomnia anyway, as I am. Uh, if I'm walking or eating a meal, my phone is on airplane mode for reasons that we've talked about in the four hour body, uh, not keen to microwave my testicles, even if, uh, there's some controversy over that point on my iPhone. I do not have email notifications or social notifications of any type. So there's, there's no number count associated with my Facebook app, my Twitter app or mail because I don't have mail set up. Uh, and another way that I try to minimize, uh, email is walking and talking. What does this mean? This means that uh, as I spec'd out the first part of my day, then I'll have, I will walk to lunch. Now, when I walk to lunch and then after lunch, I will have put together a list of phone calls the day before that I need to make. And so I'll have a list of say 10 to 20 people to call and I will just walk for anywhere from three to seven miles or even more and make phone calls. And I find this is a great way to get in the zone, improve uh, fitness of all sorts of types while getting a lot done outside of the inbox. Okay, that is uh, pretty much it. We'll talk about some other email management techniques a little bit later on. The next uh, three questions, basically. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to jump around a little bit. Uh, so the next question I'm going to answer is from a TKO Farrell in Seattle. 
what are some of the best things you can purchase for less than $100 that will have the greatest immediate impact? And I take that to mean impact on your life. Uh, this is, a, of course, a variant of a question that I've asked a lot of my guests on the podcast. And uh, you know, offhand, there are just a few things. I'll keep this answer short. The first is using either TaskRabbit or Zipcar or just your own car for a Goodwill trip to donate goods. And of course, if you're outside the U.S., you don't have access to a Goodwill. Uh, decluttering and getting rid of 30 to 50 or more percent of everything that you own. <laughs> if if it if it has a higher value to you, to someone else on a scale of one to ten than it does to you, give it away. So, for instance, if I'm looking at a jacket and I'm like, "What is the value to me? How much have I worn this in the last six months?" On a scale of one to ten, how important and valuable? How much utility does this have? And if it's a three, and I could ask myself the same question, "How much would it have for someone else in need?" Seven, eight, nine, it goes away. And uh, so that would be that would be item number one, which is really an action. Then you have uh, the five-minute journal. This is often something that I will do during my my writing phase uh, prior to working on a podcast or a blog post or a book chapter is fill out the five-minute journal. I've talked about this uh, at length before, so I'm not going to go into it. The next is the the reshi, and it might be reshi, uh, ginger and turmeric tea. Uh, so th- those are three right offhand, but uh, I think that less is more when it comes to consumerism. All right. The next set of questions, this was very interesting. Uh, you all voted these up or down and submitted them, and three questions ended up uh, in sequence that are very, very, very similar. So the, the first is, you read a lot of books. How are you able to retain all of that knowledge? This is from JADZ, J-A-D-Z, in London. Then the next one is, when you read books, how do you take notes? That was Mike in Newcastle, England. And then the next one uh, is how do you approach the learning process to internalize long-term ideas, arguments, et cetera, from a book, uh, such that it becomes part of the toolbox in your life. And that is from Phil in Oklahoma. <laughs> and actually there's a fourth one, which is from Kale, I guess in Norway, you read a lot of books, but you're also a very productive guy. How fast do you read? And when do you fit reading into your day? So let me start in reverse order. Uh, how fast do I read? I'd say most people read between, most Americans read between 150 and 250 words per minute. That's just a, an, an estimate. I used to be much more on top of all these stats. I probably read at 500 to 700 words per minute, uh, which is you know two to two and a half pages a minute, let's just say. Uh, I used to be much, much faster. Uh, and and uh, with training, you can consistently get to the point that you are reading at five, six, seven pages per minute without too much trouble. And you can triple your reading speed in about 20 minutes. If you want proof of that, uh, just search, I think it's how to triple your reading speed and my name, Ferris, and it'll pop right up. Just go to the blog uh, and you can find it or just search on Google and it should be the first thing that pops up. Uh, so that's the speed, but the speed is not the most important thing here. Where do I fit it in? Uh, sometimes in the morning, uh, when I'm doing my writing session, I'll do say 10 minutes of reading something that is not pragmatically oriented. So I might read some Walt Whitman, or I might read some poetry or something to basically just diffuse any sense of feeling rushed to get things done, uh, which ironically, or maybe paradoxically allows me to get more done once I, I, I diffuse that feeling of, uh, being reactive or, um, in any way rushed. 
Okay. Then there's bedtime. That's when I'll usually reserve things for fiction, but I'd say in transit. So if I am reading on my iPhone on the subway in line for anything, if I happen to be in line for anything on airplanes, usually in transit is when I do the vast majority of my reading. And I should point out that you don't find time for anything. If you're a type A driven personality, you make time for it. So you have to prioritize it and block out time, uh, or just simply have it associated with a certain cue like I do with transit. Okay. Now the note taking question, because this, these are all related to taking notes. Uh, how do I retain all of that knowledge? I don't, I don't retain all of that knowledge. And there's some great, uh, anecdotes or they might be apocryphal stories of Henry Ford, who is uh, ridiculed by uh, someone at one point, some type of highfalutin muckety muck guest for not being able to recall certain facts and figures off the top of his head. And he said, that's why I have a library in, in short. And, uh, when I read books, that I intend to have as references, uh, I'd say there are a couple of things. Number one, and this is borrowed from Kathy Sierra, who's a very fascinating, uh, smart woman. I try to focus on just in time information, not just in case information. So the further away the time horizon of acting on that information in the book, the more likely you are just to forget everything and have to reread it. Okay. So I, I really focus on either reading for pleasure or just in time information whenever possible. But there are going to be cases where you're seduced into reading something that is for intended for far future use. I try to create basically a map of things or people I might need quickly by composing an index at the beginning of every book that I read, assuming that it's say a paperback or a hardcover with Kindle. I'm going to be putting in highlights that I can then export as a text file. Um, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because I geeked out at length uh, in two places. The first is my interview or conversation really with, with Maria Popova who runs brain pickings, who puts me to shame by the way, with this type of note taking that's episode 39 of the podcast. Definitely check it out. If you want to nerd out on note taking and just distillation of information, that's where you want to go. Uh, there's another place, I think it's called how to take notes like an alpha nerd or something like that on the blog. So if you do a search, you can see scans of some of these indices that I've created in the past and you might have some fun with that. Okay. Next question is from Jared or Jared. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that in Vancouver. Do you waste time? If so, what do you waste the most time on? Uh, of course I waste time. I'm, I'm absolutely a fallible human being. And, uh, it's part of the reason that I don't typically want journalists to follow me for a typical day. That's a common request that I get. And I think they'd look at 90% of the time that I spend and they'd ask themselves, what the fuck is this guy doing? He is the most disorganized, unproductive son of a bitch I've ever seen. Now, that's a separate conversation, perhaps. I think that uh, if you focus on being effective, i.e. doing the right things, instead of being efficient, doing things well, if you, if you just view things through the lens of picking the right things, you can futz away a lot of time and still sort of outpace the vast majority of the population. Uh, if you're competitive with someone who's equally effective, of course, the, the more efficient person is going to win. But... Uh, there are a few things I'd, t I'd say about wasting time. Number one is if you're having fun and that's your goal, you're not wasting time. So if you're playing, 
PlayStation or watching a movie and uh, the objective is to have fun, you are not wasting time. You don't have, there's, there's, ah, God, I th- I'm forgetting who said this, but, uh, there's more to life than increasing its speed. I think that might be Thoreau could have been Gandhi, who knows, but uh, you don't have to spend every waking moment trying to just build bigger castles in the sky. Um, there's a lot more to life than just that component. However, when you waste time, uh, I think, from a definition standpoint, is when you want to do one thing or you plan to do one thing and then you end up doing another. So you're trying to be productive to get X done, say record a podcast. And instead you're, you're getting pulled into the rat hole of Facebook notifications or amusing videos on YouTube, etc. When your intention is one thing and you end up diverted into another, I view that as wasting time because you're not purely having fun. You're not purely being productive. You're in the, the limbo in between that gives you neither of those things. Uh, but if I had to point to something very specific, I would say that, uh, with email, specifically replying to things I should ignore is where I waste a lot of time, uh, where, where I end up creating work that is not high priority. And the, there are a number of tools that that's specifically true when you have sort of VIPs, VIP type people, uh, from a relationship standpoint, reaching out to you for things that could be best answered in blog posts I've already written or podcast episodes I've already recorded. Uh, I feel conflicted about protecting those relationships so they don't feel miffed or dismissed, uh, while still protecting my own time because I've already covered the goddamn topic. Um, this is very, uh, this, this can be a very dicey situation in, in my particular experience. What I use for that, uh, there are a couple of things that, that can be very helpful. So the auto response is helpful. I, I provide, for instance, book marketing advice and links to very comprehensive articles how to write a bestseller this year is just a monster post that you can check out related to that. That covers everything I have to say about book marketing and launching and writing. Uh, then I combine that with boomerang. So what boomerang allows me to do is send email responses in the future. So I can not send the response now, but send it in a week or seven days. And what this does is it minimizes the likelihood of catalyzing an instant messenger like exchange. So what I don't want to do is reply right away, especially if I know this person wants to talk, uh, and I might put them on the phone call list if, if I think this is going to be a big problem. But uh, if I think it's going to engage, if I think, for instance, I'm going to reply back and say, hey, check out this article. This is what I wrote. Here are a couple of more tips. And then they'd respond back with, oh, cool. How was your weekend? Oh, great. How was your family? Oh, how are things? I don't want it to digress into a 20 email small talk back and forth. Uh, so by delaying your response time, uh, Boomerang, using Boomerang or something like it, uh, I find it to be very, very effective in cutting down on the volume of email in the inbox. All right. Next question. This is from Alex in London. Uh, now that you have 50 episodes under your belt, is, have you noticed anything common across the interviewees? And I'm paraphrasing this question, but characteristics, habits, or methods. Uh, there are a few things that I've noticed. So the first is even more than I anticipated, uh, even good friends I didn't know this about, uh, the vast the vast majority, I mean, literally, I'd say 80% of the people I've interviewed in very diverse fields, from uh, you know, FBI futurists to athletes to ch- chess prodigies to uh, you know, professional in- investors or traders, uh, they all meditate. 
And meditate, I think, is a malign term. Uh, rightly so. It's associated with woo-woo type oming people. And uh, I think it turns a lot of people off who are secular and don't want to kind of uh, you know, bow down to some type of, of deity or guru with a long beard. And uh, there, there is a way to separate the two. I think Waking Up by Sam Harris is, is a good example of that. I think Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, uh, mindfulness, t- 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 mindfulness step. What he, God, he has so many damn books. That guy's prolific. Uh, mindfulness is the first step, something like that. You look, look for his oldest book, uh, that was intended as a guide for, uh, his monks in Vietnam. Uh, I believe it was in Vietnam originally. It might've been in Paris afterwards. And, uh, you, you can divorce the two. You can divorce the so-called spirituality, which I think is a very nebulous term from the pragmatic mindfulness practice. And that's what you want. So that's number one. Most of these people either meditate or are making a deliberate attempt to meditate, which surprisingly is kind of the point. Uh, when it comes to mindfulness practice or developing a present state awareness where you're able to, if not turn off, at least observe the incessant chatter, which is the self-talk that can steer you dramatically one way or the other during your day. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I would say that a lot of these folks, for instance, uh, Peter Thiel, who was a co-founder of PayPal and then first money into Facebook, co-founder of Palantir, which now does, I don't know, one to $2 billion in revenue a year, that he is looking for differences, not in degree, but of kind. And what I mean by that is he's, he's, he's looking for some type of exponent, exponential uh, change or improvement, not an incremental change or improvement. And of course, we talk about this in our interview. That's uh, the zero to one interview. Uh, if you just search Peter Thiel, T-H-I-E-L interview, and then Tim Ferriss, it'll pop right up. Uh, but you could also look at, say, Josh Waitzkin. So Josh Waitzkin was the basis for searching for Bobby Fischer. And he has a framework that he used to master chess that he can apply to anything. And he's also the first black belt under Marcelo Garcia, who's considered the Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, plus whatever, Mike Tyson of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's, I think, six-time world champion. And uh, Josh Waitzkin, that's episode two uh, of the podcast, uh, tends to not look for the brand new shiny uh, creation. You'll see where I'm going with this. But to look at something that everyone has seen and see something different. Uh, I think that people want to look at a, a problem that many, many, many people have seen and either attempted to solve the wrong way or not attempted to solve at all. And there are many examples of this. For instance, like how long did it take to get wheels on fucking luggage? I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, luggage has been around for thousands of years, hundreds of years at the very least, as we know it in uh, modern uh, suitcases and whatnot. And it took fucking forever to get uh, omnidirectional wheels, uh, just like shopping carts, where you could push them in any given direction without having it flip over. Um, and, and I think a lot of them are looking at common problems that are just not being addressed properly. And they're not looking for an incremental change. They're looking at, for a complete different s- species of solution. That's, that's something that I've also seen in common. But they're, they're not looking for a problem necessarily that no one has identified, if that makes sense. All right. 
see other methods and habits. I would just say characteristically, these people also do not try to fix all of their weaknesses. They know what they suck at. So they have the self-awareness. And I think the meditation often goes hand in hand here. They have the self-awareness to know what they suck at. And if something destroys most of their relationships with other people, whether it's personal or, or business, they will try to mitigate those. But they, they really spend most of their time trying to pair their unique abilities, their, their strengths, their superpowers with these, these, these problems, right. That they can address, uh, and the breakthrough solutions that they can find. So they spend most of their time trying to leverage their unique abilities, not fix all of the dozens of things that they're shitty at. Okay. Uh, next question. This is from Jasky in Perth, WA. I'm going to guess that is West Australia, not Washington. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing the question here, but the four hour mind, do you have any tips or tricks for decreasing stress, increasing confidence, clarity of thinking, creativity, etc.? In, in other words, a four hour book for the mind. So this is a big question. It's actually a combination of many, many different questions. The first thing I would say is, uh, for clarity of thinking and creativity, I think the four hour chef is actually a good place to start. The meta learning section in particular delves into a lot of this because be- before you can, before you can solve something, you have to ask the right question. I think most people waste, you know, months, even years or decades of their lives because they're attempting to, they're asking the wrong question. You know, how can I be successful? Uh, how can I be happy? You know, nebulous words, imprecise definitions leading to a lot of tail chasing, for instance. Uh, and I think the, the four hour chef helps you to frame and deconstruct something like learning to speak Spanish. I want to be fluent in Spanish. It's actually not a very good goal. You want to get much more precise and break it down into a, a subset of questions that you can pair with different toolkits, right? So I'd say that is a good place to start. But otherwise, stoicism is really what I view as the the operating, an ideal operating system for people who want to be high performers in high stress environments. And ultimately, that's where a lot of the rewards are. And in these hotly contested <laughs> waters or areas, and uh, there are a number of different places to start. So you could read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which is really basically a a wartime journal, never intended for publication, which I think makes it very, very interesting. Uh, and uh, you know, reflecting each morning on how you're going to encounter ungrateful, uh, rude insolent bastards all day long and uh, basically preparing yourself for that so you don't negatively overreact uh, would be one of many different tips. But uh, the moral letters from Seneca to uh, Lucilius, uh, also very good. But I'll save you guys some time. So the first is for a good summary of a lot of this, uh, I would listen to the episode four of this podcast. Episode four of this podcast is with Ryan Holiday. He wrote a book about stoicism. He has a very broad spectrum of knowledge related to the different stoic thinkers. And we delve into how both of us use stoicism and have used different tenets of it in practical scenarios uh, in our professional and personal lives. So I would just check out episode four with Ryan holiday. And lastly, I am putting together currently it's 90 plus percent done a massive, uh, collection, uh, of stoic thinking that it has been sort of, uh, parsed and produced to my specs. So I have 
a, an awesome collection of stoic stuff coming for all of you guys. If you're interested, uh, that's going to take probably another few weeks and then we'll be good to go. Okay. Next question. Do you have one favorite food supplement? Or I think the question was, if you had to choose one favorite food supplement, what would it be? This is from Manuel, uh, or Manuel in Vienna, Austria. And, uh, there are a few things I would say. Uh, the, the first is I am leaning more so every day away from supplementation. And I think you should cycle off of any type of supplementation because we are, we really, 50% of what we know is probably wrong. We just don't know which 50% it is. And the body is a very sensitive instrument, whether it be what people perceive as their body or their brain, by the way, they're the same thing. Uh, they're very tightly integrated uh, unit and you have negative feedback loops. So for instance, if you're like, well, I, I would never inject testosterone, but I'm going to take all these testosterone boosting powders. And you view that as having no cost or side effect. You're wrong because there's something called the, the effect side effect curve. And basically if you have a high amplitude of effect, in other words, if you, if those powders produce a huge jump in testosterone, uh, if you can't find the side effect, it just means that you don't know what the side effect is. And the most likely, this is the negative feedback loop, is that through your, for instance, your HPTA, the hypothalamus pituitary testosterone, or it might be testes axis, that uh, your brain will be able to identify that you have uh, heightened levels of testosterone from exogenous, i.e. external sources, and it will shut down your internal production because the body does not like to waste resources. Okay. And similarly, if you're taking in a ton of whatever vitamin B12 or I don't care what it is, vitamin A, vitamin D, the fat soluble vitamins particularly problematic or can be, uh, your body, it will fuck up your body and your body will shut down uh, endogenous production of, of certain things to try to compensate. And, uh, so for me, the, the, the short answer is I try to minimize supplementation, but if I had to choose one supplement as general insurance, it would be the one that I recommended in the four hour body. I have no financial stake in it and it would be athletic greens. It's expensive as hell. Uh, but ultimately with this type of product, you know, I know, I know the people who produce it and it's exceptionally, high quality. And you're basically getting uh, whole food derived uh, greens of, of many different types that I think cover a lot of your bases. But in general, always cycle off. Take a couple of weeks off every two months or so. Do not consume a ton of fat soluble vitamins. They will accrue in the body. Um, that's why if you end up, uh, well, in Greenland, for instance, instead of Iceland and you kill a polar bear and you're starving and you eat the polar bear's liver, you can end up with all sorts of uh, I think it's hyperretinosis. That's not the right word, but overdose of vitamin A. And then you're in big, big trouble. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to answer a couple uh, additional questions. Let's see here. Next question is from the big boy in Australia. And uh, this question is, if tomorrow you woke up and found out you're stuck in the body of a 21-year-old female with no business connections blog and following on social media, and you only have $35 in your pocket. I'm kind of curious how that number was chosen, but 35 numbers in your pocket to start a business. How would you go about it? Okay. Let me try to answer this. The first thing I would say is that if I were suddenly stuck in the body of a 21 year old female, I think that would keep me preoccupied for a while. And I, I wouldn't even get to the business part for, for quite some time. But that aside, uh, this is a variant of 
a question that I get all the time. And uh, very often, this will come from a place, and I'm not saying this to pick on the person who submitted this question, because I used to ask questions like this myself a long time ago. And it's, it's, it's typically coming from a place of, I'm in a rush, I don't have a lot of time, I don't want to read a 300-page book, just give me the cliff notes, and I'll execute on the index card. 99 times out of 100, that never works. And uh, you can see it in diet. I've talked about this in the four-hour body with uh, you know very high net worth, busy friends of mine who've asked for the index card for, say, decreasing abdominal fat. Uh, the, the, the answer I won't give you, however, is that there's, that there's no magic bullet. All right? So people will often say, there's no magic bullet, so you need to just hunker down and grind away at it. I disagree with that. Uh, so I would say there are magic bullets, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of, of tips. I mean, you've, you've given me a good constraint, which is $35. So I would say there are magic bullets. There, in other words, there are tried and true uh, formulas, formulae, and recipes that work. They're repeatable. Uh, they're typically related to testing. Uh, but the bullet or the bullets, okay? These magic bullets do you no good if you don't research how to use the gun, rehearse or practice with dry firing, get the stance down, etc. So a lot of people without any context want me to say something like, if you were starting again today with no resources and no money and had to make $100,000 in the next year, what would you do? And they want me to give them a cookie cutter answer like, uh, I am... I believe that the next big trend is mobile plus Bitcoin payments. Therefore, I, I suggest that anyone in that position should start business Y. And I don't think that's the right way to tackle that question or problem. The answer that I would give you is choose your market first and then design your product around that or products around that. If you understand a market, in my case, let's just say, uh, and this has generally been true, you know, 20 to 40 year old or 20 to 35 year old, right? I'm 37 now, so I'm trying to push it forward, <laughs> but let's just say it's 20 to 35 year old tech savvy males in New York city and San Francisco. That's it. Okay. Once you dig into the psychographics, the behaviors, the purchasing patterns, uh, of that demo, uh, and it's particularly easy if you belong to that demo, by the way, so you can sort of uh, skip a lot of hardship by doing that. Then I know exactly the pains and the desires, the wants, the budgets of those people. And I can test uh, different types of products or services at different price points. Okay. The, the wrong way to go about that, or I would say the high risk way to go about that is to say, okay, here are these, these two or three converging trends that I know nothing about. I'm going to now from a ground zero, try to develop expertise in mobile payments and Bitcoin and create a product to compete. You're going to get crushed. I mean, that's like, you know, deciding that golf is the next big thing. And so you want to be a professional golf player and walking out onto the green with Tiger Woods, you're going to get slaughtered. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of people do in the stock market. Coincidentally, when you have, you know, you're a guppy and you jump in with great white sharks who've been doing this for decades and just get your ass handed to you. So $35, what would I do? Get the four hour work week, uh, get a journal like the five minute journal. And then last I would buy a membership to a, a, the highest end uh, nonprofit 
that is business focused. Okay. So in Silicon Valley, that might be, uh, and again, I'm a bit out of the game. It's been a while, but this is how I built my network from uh, nothing. When I first moved to Silicon Valley, driving a used minivan with the seats that had been stolen out of the back, it was <laughs> really hilarious. Uh, I did it with a group called S face. I'm not sure if they exist anymore. S V A S E. You could look at Ty, the Indus entrepreneur, you could look at, um, maybe there's a YPO, Young President's Organization chapter or Entrepreneur's Organization EO chapter in your city where you could volunteer and maybe there's an, a nominal fee you could pay to not be a, uh, a, an official member who participates in, say, forums and whatnot, but someone who's simply pouring the coffee. Uh, those are the three things that I would do. Four-hour work week, which will cover a lot of the testing. And you can look at the, the pieces that Noah Kagan, K-A-G-A-N, has written on my blog. As well as, uh, actually, my interview with Ramit Sethi, S-E-T-H-I. It's at least a one-part. might be a two-part interview. It's a two-part interview. Uh, so episodes 33 and 34 of this podcast, Ramit Sethi, also goes really deep into this type of testing. Uh, that's it. Okay? So four-hour work week volunteer membership of some type with a business organization where you have an excuse, therefore, even as a peon or a gopher, which is exactly what I was when I started out, uh, to interact with people way above your pay grade. And then a journal so that you can remain or either remain focused or become focused on a daily basis, doing a review, doing a planning in the morning. First thing, it takes a few minutes and then a review right before bed. Okay. And uh, I think that is probably enough for questions in this one episode. Uh, but I will certainly cover a lot more if uh, you would like. And let me know what you think. Please tell me on Twitter what you think of this format at T Ferris, T F E R R I S S. And I think that now that it is daylight here in Iceland, I'm going to go try to find some Icelandic horses to. Uh, to run around on because they are really weird. They've got like five gears, they have a very unusual uh, speed where they basically uh, maintain the, their backs equidistant from the ground, even at what appears to be a fast trot uh, or a gallop. It's the weirdest looking thing. So I want to jump on one of these furry animals and, and, uh, and race around for a little bit today, but we only have a few hours of daylight. So I'm going to get going. Happy holidays, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed this. This was fun for me. I like doing this. So let me know what you think. And I'll definitely collect new questions soon. So happy holidays to you and yours. And thanks for listening. This episode of The Tim Ferriss Show is brought to you by 99designs and Ex Officio. 99designs is the world's largest online marketplace of graphic designers. And I have used 99designs for years, including to get cover concepts for The 4-Hour Body, which went on to become number one New York Times, number one Wall Street Journal. It was a huge hit. And here's how it works. And you can check everything out, including some of my competitions. You can see these book covers and so on at 99designs.com forward slash Tim. Whether you need a logo, a car wrap, a web design, an app, a thumbnail, a t-shirt, whatever, you go to 99designs.com. You describe your project, and then within a week or less, you have tons of designers around the world who compete for your business and submit different ideas and designs and drafts. 
you have an original design that you love or you pay nothing. It is fantastic. I have used it. I have mentioned it before, including in the four hour work week as a resource. Check it out. 99designs.com forward slash Tim. And if you use that link, you'll be able to see what I've done on the platform. You will also get $99 as an upgrade for free, which will get you more designs, more submissions. So check it out. Ex officio. Boy, where do I begin? I have a long history with ex officio. Ex officio makes clothing. And as far back as 2007, 2008, I had a hit video that went viral called how to travel the world with 10 pounds or less. And I talked about ex officio underwear. Ex officio underwear is lightweight, ultra lightweight, quick drying and antimicrobial. Why is this important? Well, I've gone through 20 plus countries with two pairs of underwear before both from ex officio. And I'm not alone in this. This might sound crazy, but a lot of executives, for instance, will take this underwear, they'll wash it in the sink or somewhere else, roll it up in a towel like a burrito, step on it, and a few hours later, they are completely dry, completely clean. You don't have to just have two, and yes, they have to be comfortable for all-day wear, but check out their clothing as well as their underwear. You can go to exofficio.com forward slash Tim. That's xexoffico.com forward slash Tim, and you can see this video, which has a bunch of other packing tips, but this underwear, this clothing is not just for the gents. Ladies, you have choices too. And they really have an incredible collection of high-quality products that I've used for almost 10 years now. So check them out, exofficio.com forward slash Tim. And until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>